Hello, my name is Casey Rogers, and I'm your host for the Emerging Writer Series podcast. This podcast is an exploration for what it takes for a writer to become a published author and how to sustain a professional writing career. Like many of you, writing is my passion, and I'm confident I know how to write a compelling story. But what holds me back is what holds many other writers back. How do we navigate a system that is about finding a bestseller rather than finding the best work? There are obstacles to our success, and many of them have nothing to do with the quality of our writing. In the next series of episodes, I'm going to be speaking with authors about their books and how and why they chose to write their stories within the frameworks of a specific genre. One reason people work with one type of genre is it helps people to find your books. Another reason is that genre also gives the author a blueprint of sorts because each genre has a specific set of rules for the writer to follow. We'll explore what the needs and expectations are within these genres and why one may be well suited for your project. In this episode, I'm speaking with author Jay Kavanaugh about his financial thriller anthology called Impoverished Wealth, a collection of four stories with the characters that have confronted the true cost of living a life of luxury. Impoverished Wealth unveils the complexities that come with extraordinary wealth, causing one to reconsider if getting to the top is really worth it. Jake's stories explore the fictional lives of characters Damon Maker, Serena Cortez, Danny Cunningham, and Ryan Graff, who all reflect upon the notion that having it all isn't always desirable. So welcome, Jake Cavanaugh. How are you today? I am doing fantastic. Thank you for having me, Casey. How are you? I'm doing just fine. I've been really interested in talking with you because we connected quite a while ago, but our schedules were just so crazy. Tell me about what you've been up to. Your book is coming out in just a short while, isn't it? June 29th. Yeah. So it's sneaking up on me. I was actually with some friends last night and they asked me what my latest project's coming out. And I was like, June 29th. And they're like, oh, that's in like a month. And I was like, yeah, I didn't even realize that. So uh, yeah, it snuck up fast. Impoverished Wealth, the anthology. And it consists of four short stories with four different main characters. And it is overall, it's like they said, the short stories, they're all wealthy. So it's financial thrillers, but there's also a touch of some literary fiction, especially Mm -hmm. with Ryan Graff, which is the third short story in the anthology and the most recent one I wrote, actually. And what inspired you to tackle this project? So during the pandemic, obviously many things happened. And I think one of the things that stuck out to me the most was how people reprioritize their lives. They place a huge emphasis on money, Mm -hmm. wealth, working, et cetera. And I think that gave people a chance to take a step back and realize what's really important in my life and Mm -hmm. also realize more money, more problems. It's a very real thing. So I just was thinking about it and I was like, what's an exciting way that I can get involved and why not write about these four characters who have a screwed up life in part because they're wealthy. That's kind of how it all began. And I didn't have a plan until I got to each story, if that makes sense. It was just free for all in my brain. 
So there isn't really a thread that connects all of the four stories. There's a theme, I guess. Right. Uh, the theme is they they have wealth, they have lives that people desire, may even be envious of, but mm-hmm. really peel back, pull back the curtain, and mm-hmm. it's ugly. And their relationships suffer because of it. Their priorities have been screwed up. Trauma, emotional damage, all that fun stuff. And in terms of creating your characters, did you do any kind of research? Or did you base them more on people that you knew or know or people that you have read about? Or are these totally fiction? So three out of four, I would say, are pretty just made up. Danny Cunningham, Serena Cortez, and Ryan Graff. Mm-hmm. They're all just, they are who they are. Damon Maker definitely had some inspiration from friends like Succession. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with that? Which yeah, is- I've read about it. Okay, so he, they're... Succession was, at least I believe, it was inspired by the Murdoch family, Fox Corporation. So that definitely gave me the idea for Damon Maker. Mm-hmm. Um, his father runs a worldwide media company with billions of dollars, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. But yeah, the other three just made them up. Great. Now, is this your first anthology that will come out as a book per se? Yes, it is. It's actually what I sent to Lisa, uh-huh. who, for all of you listening who don't know. Yes. Runs Indies United. And she enjoyed them, which was cool. But she just said, yeah, let's just got to clean them up a little bit and (laughs) publish it through us. And she said she'd like to have it as an anthology. And now I'm talking to you about it. And it comes out in about a month. And what other things have you written in the past? Is this like a new adventure for you? What is your background and what brought you to this point? So I actually published my very first novel September 30th, 2021. It's called The Abandoned. Mm-hmm. And I did that pretty much on my own. I had someone help me editing all that, marketing, that fun stuff. But I was writing as early as I could until mm-hmm. college. And then I took a break after college. And I don't know why. Life just took me in another direction. I was a journalism major, but I focused on broadcast. So I was in that for a little bit after college, working for a radio network. And then I was in a sales job in the corporate world. And they dumped me like four months into COVID. And I cried of happiness. It just wasn't a fit. There was nothing wrong with the company. It just wasn't working. And it allowed me to be like, what do I want to do? Like, Mm -hmm. what's going to make me happy here? Because having a job you don't enjoy, it's horrible. And so I started to write and it just got back into it. And I was like, this is what I want to do. This needs to be involved in my life all the time. And it's one thing that I've always known. And that's proven to be true is you don't get in it for the money. So you do have to do some other things outside of it. I'm actually going back to school to get my license in marriage and family therapy. Yeah. Yeah, starting in fall 2023. So about six or seven months actually after I get married. 2023 is going to be a big year. Yeah. So maybe I'm writing will probably take a break during school. Just realistically, I'll be busy, but I'm really excited about how I could intertwine that my new profession or Mm -hmm. somewhat soon to be new profession with my passion, writing, have that expertise at that element and make it even like part of the brand, like always have that therapy, maybe therapist character or whatever. I think that's fascinating because there are a lot of people out there right now that really need therapy. Everybody's experiencing so much trauma in their life and they're acting out and they're doing things that are completely irrational. And I think so much of it has to do with this COVID brain 
we're on such a heightened alert of anxiety all the time. I think that's a really interesting perspective to write from. Yeah. So yeah. good for you. It'll be insightful. And I think the COVID brain, it's going back to that. I think it's just a theory. I haven't done much research on this, but with telehealth, I feel like people are more comfortable doing it now. Yeah. Because I've sat across from a therapist and mm-hmm. it's a little, it's easier to do this for therapy yeah. rather than like, I'm in a room with just this person mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm tell them everything that's wrong with me or something. I think that's really interesting perspective. I listen to a podcast called My Favorite Murder and the women that host the podcast often talk about their therapist and their experiences and they're so insightful and the barriers I think are being broken in terms of what people are, they're not shy about discussing it anymore the way that it used to be. And it's funny because the character that I'm finishing up a novel and my character really needs a therapist. She really has suffered a lot of horrible things in her life. But back then, like their answer to therapy, it was just at the time when they started to deinstitutionalize people that had mental health issues. And there was no no real good solution other than they just opened the floodgates and let people out on the street that weren't able to cope. But there were all these stories about these horrible institutions where people were just basically locked up and they weren't, you know, getting the care that they needed then either. So I think that's a fascinating thing. I, I would imagine you're right when you get into school. I know for me, I didn't do any creative writing in school unless it was an assignment. Yeah, because it's hard to balance all of that. But I think once you get back into it, you're going to have a really unique perspective. So tell me a little bit about, do you get up every morning and you're really excited to write? Or do you have a time of day that you do this? Or are you the type of person that you don't do it every day? So I wake up on average at 5.30, Monday through Friday. And I write for like about an hour. No one can talk to me. No one can bug me. I open up my window and no one's out there. And I try to get as much done. I wake up and almost like, I wake up. I have a lot of energy at that time, Mm -hmm. more than the normal person. Mm -hmm. So turn on the coffee and yeah, get going for an hour. And then I've been trying to do some at night. It's easier said than done. It's just, I hate to be, I work from home, so I don't want to go back to my desk. So sometimes I'll go to a coffee shop or more like that. I don't want to make a habit of going to a bar to write, you know, to get out of control really quickly. But then I also will write on Sundays. Like this morning I went to a writing group. Yeah, it's fun. And Portland's like super literary. Yeah, which is great for me. You go to bars, people like reading at the bar. It's amazing. So I'm typically the youngest person there. Not typically, always. And (laughs) it's, yeah. So today the conversation was, they were talking about the last time they they wrote. And I go, oh, it was the last time we were here. I tried to this week. I just couldn't get anything done. And I didn't say anything because I want to be like, oh, I do it every morning. I wake up at 5.30 and I put it into my routine. And it's so important to put it in your routine because Mm -hmm. it's so easy to put off. Even if you're not writing, if I'm not writing, in that hour Mm -hmm. I'm at least like brainstorming with my notes or editing or something it's not always writing like a thousand words or something I've learned you can't measure your progress off of how many words you write in one day so yeah that's been a huge help is adding a little Mm -hmm. morning 
Tell me just a little bit more about this writing group, because I know I belong to a couple groups that we call critique groups, and we each submit work, and then we take turns critiquing one another's work. But it sounds like yours is a little bit different. It is different. You just, so it's actually through, yeah, it's called Shut Up and Write. And yeah, the host comes and he actually writes on a notebook. (laughs) He sets a timer, small talk before with people, whatever. And he sets a timer for one hour and... And you don't say anything for mm-hmm. that hour. Mm-hmm. And once that hour is up, some people leave, some people stay. And then also some people don't talk about what they're writing at all. Mm-hmm. It's cool. You know, you can do whatever you want. I like to share and hear what people have to say, hear their perspective. But we definitely don't do any critiquing. Mm-hmm. It's not a consistent enough group to do that. I would like to be part of a group that does do that. I was taking a film course and the woman that was teaching the film course basically did the same thing. She had people come into the Zoom meeting and they would just sit there and write. And I think that's brilliant because a lot of times people don't give themselves permission to take that time. Oh, I've got laundry to do. I've got dinner to make. Mm -hmm. I've got like this commitment and that commitment. And it almost seems like everything else comes before our writing. And I love the fact that you do it first thing in the morning, because that to me is the perfect time to do it. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's funny you say there's other stuff to do. You have to set yourself up for success in that way and make sure that things are how they're supposed to be and how they'll work for you. Face-to-face is good. Yes. And the virtual world we live in, we have to remember that. I would love to do something in person. I just finished teaching a course in memoir writing and we had to do it on Zoom, but I, I can't help but think how it would have been so nice if I got to meet these people in person, especially because memoir is such an intimate form of writing. And hopefully I have fingers crossed in the future. We're going to be able to do things like that again. Actually, tomorrow, I am going to an orientation to join this volunteer group called mm-hmm. Write Around. Oh. It's, so it's it's an organization and they help adults with literacy, like just to better themselves. Yeah. Part of the volunteer work is like watching the kids, their mm-hmm. children, and also like doing readings and stuff like that with them. And I just thought of this because you said you would like to make a connection with them be in person. And I'm just super excited to find get in front of people who are mm-hmm. working towards that. Mm-hmm. And the difference. Is it a national organization or just something? It's in Portland. It's just in Portland. Sounds to me like they need to be cloned <laughs> in a lot of other places. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine there are different versions, like different organizations that kind of do the same thing, I would think. But yeah, I'm super excited to get going there. But back to your process, I think that's really interesting because I think a lot of people are not aware of how important it is just keep going. Even if you write a sentence or you write a paragraph or you write a page or you write 10 pages, but just to keep on putting one foot in front of the other, and then you find that you have a first draft or you have a short story or whatever, because I think a lot of people people stop in the middle of the process and it's, I'll never get this done. We don't see what goes into Stephen King's final product. Right. That could be said for everything in life, even like sports. Mm-hmm. Um, all these athletes, like sure they have natural ability. Mm-hmm. Sure, Stephen King, talented writer, but there's so much that goes into it. I think until you're ready for that, it's, it's too hard to commit. It's impossible to commit. Yeah. So. 
And I also think you brought up something earlier about, I think there are a lot of people out there that think they're going to make a living writing. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are people out there that are making money off of their books, but you really have to be very passionate about doing this in order to get to that next step and having a completed project because it's so much work and it's a lot of heartache. Sometimes you'll find that you have 10 people that absolutely love your work, but one person says, eh, and the only thing you can do is focus on the person that said, eh. We choose like the heartaches to focus on for some reason when we should be focusing on, oh, okay, I completed the first draft. I was brave enough to actually send that out. Mm -hmm. Some people aren't even brave enough to send it to someone. Yeah. Every little accomplishment, it means a lot and it adds up. So keep going. It's funny because I interviewed Lisa Tolls a couple of weeks ago, and she had this advice in terms of self-care for authors. And one of the things that she said that I thought was so wonderful was about celebrating your successes. And I think that as writers, it's really important to celebrate those little wins. And she gave the example of how it used to be very fashionable to put rejection letters up on your wall. And I understand that mentality because it means that you're putting your work out there. And even if you're rejected, you keep going and it can become very discouraging because let's face it, if we're working with a traditional publisher, a lot of it is about luck. A lot of it is about your particular manuscript landed on the desk of the right person at the right time when they were in a good mood and able to accept it because they might have have one yes that they can give and they might have four manuscripts that meet the criteria, but they're going to decide on the one that meets it the very most. No. So- Do you know who Mike Bond is? Okay. So he's a thriller writer and I actually reached out to him like over two years ago now. And I asked him to read my, I think it was just a prologue and the first chapter and he read it and Wonderful. he provided me with some feedback. And I thought that was really cool. But he also said at the end of his email, he was like, and just so you know, once you finish your story, you're going to have to write it again and again, and maybe again, (laughs) something along those lines. And he was a thousand percent correct. I learned from him and then some others, don't be super, super hard on yourself. It's not going to be perfect ever. (laughs) Just roll with it and see what happens. That puts you ahead of the game. And comparing yourself to others will drive you insane. I think your style and your voice and everything else has to come across as being authentic and not emulating somebody else. Or it's one thing writing in a particular genre, but you have to carve this niche out for yourself in that genre. What do you do in terms of editing? What is your editorial process? It varies. Like I'll sometimes write five to 10 chapters without going back. Obviously I go back eventually, but I will just do it consecutively without rereading anything I've done. But lately I found myself really taking more time for each chapter Mm -hmm. and like really reviewing it over and over again. So sometimes I'll spend two to three weeks on one chapter Mm -hmm. because there's part of me that sometimes feels like certain stories can't proceed until I have a clear idea Mm -hmm. of what's going on here. It's not necessarily perfect in the sense like the editor is going to get it Mm -hmm. and have nothing to do with it. That's not it. It just, it makes the story go more. And right now it's not very efficient. So it's good that I've been working on short stories so I can meet some deadlines. Uh But I find it gives me more clarity. And I also 
have less to edit at the end where I'm like, ooh, but what if I change this character's decision there? But mm -hmm. then it affects X, Y, and Z. So that's how I've been going about it lately. But my editorial process is it's ever changing. Writing is fun. Editing is stressful. Yes. I think that's pretty much captures it for most every writer. Yeah, I had handed my work to somebody that I thought was going to proofread it. And she ended up doing a line edit. And my first reaction was like, I was just stunned. But I'm really glad she did because yeah. it gave me an opportunity to step back and say, you know what? She's right. I could improve this by revising not huge amounts of the text, but just tweaking it in a way that would add so much more clarity to the overall script. You yeah. can't mentally check out until that is, until it's release date. Yeah. That's kind of the thing. Like it's never done until that's like for sale. Exactly. That's what it is. Yeah. What you were saying about you were happy that she did, did a line edit. I think it just made me think like the other people's perspectives are so valuable, even yes. just if they're not like a writer, just because they go into it with a blank slate, right? they read it and they're like, they tell you their feedback. And even if you don't go with their feedback, it could, it, it could start something, it could jumpstart mm -hmm. you and be like, oh, wow, thank you for that. I can go back and improve this there, improve that mm -hmm. there, whatever. Yeah, the writers who just hoard their material. It's, you're not allowing yourself to reach your potential. That's exactly what it is. You know? it's, it's a lot of work, but I also think it's very gratifying when you get to the end of your story and you've created these characters that can reach into the hearts and minds of other people. That is an amazing feeling because you're giving birth to something. Yeah, definitely gratifying. I, um, yeah. I'm nobody special, but I have these like a few people on Instagram. Mm -hmm. who will message me and talk about how much they loved like that excerpt or how much they loved my book difference for them. Like one of them's in uh in like Paraguay. Oh, that's wonderful. Like probably the only per they're each like the only ones in the country who have read it or bought it, but <laughs> that's okay. Thank you for making me an international author. I appreciate <laughs> it. I love that. That's hysterical. Can you talk a little bit about the anthology project for Indies United? Oh, I can. Yes. So that's what I was working on today at the writing group, actually. So the anthology project, Fragments of Us, mm -hmm. is a multi-author anthology with, I believe it's 10 authors from Indies United Publishing House. And each story is an account of what happens when the Yellowstone volcano erupts. Each author has a different version of it, a different part of the country, maybe a different part of the world. That project came together when I was just thinking, what am I going to do after Impoverished Wealth? And it was an anthology. I was like, what if I did another anthology, but just with Indies United authors? So it was really cool to see everybody's enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. And then also it's cool how we're all on board for the proceeds to go to Richard Jacobs' charity. Yeah. And in a nutshell, Richard Jacob represents kids suing Florida for violating their constitutional right by not caring about the environment. Um, he was because, my first guest. Yes, yes, I remember that interview. Yeah. Yeah. And 
So everyone go back and listen to that. So yeah, that's coming out in November. And And what a tribute to him. Yes. So when your book comes out, where can our listeners get it? So you're going to be able to get it directly from uh, IUPH's website. The direct, the link is indiesunited.net. And then it'll also be on Amazon and then a couple others that Lisa sent me. But it'll be jakecavanaugh.com is the easiest way to get it. All the links will be there. And free excerpts are actually coming out every Wednesday until the publishing date, which is June 29th, which Mm -hmm. lands on a Wednesday. So people could sign up for those by going to jakecavanaugh.com. Excellent. Thank you so much for all your time and inspiration. I'm really excited to both read your work and to be part of this project. I'm really glad that you put that all together. Congrats on your new endeavor with school and your upcoming nuptials. I know that 2023 is going to be a big year for you. So we're going to give you a little bit of headwind going in there with your book. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Casey. You're very welcome. Happy writing. Thank you. Bye. Bye. In speaking with Jake, he offered some sage advice about the need to establish a writing routine and how to deal with the struggles of the editing process. I found it interesting to hear how he participates in a group called Shut Up and Write, along with being a volunteer for an organization in Portland, Oregon, that helps adults achieve their literacy goals. I, for one, think that's a terrific way to give back to one's community. Thanks so much for listening to the Emerging Writer Series podcast. There are so many wonderful writers out there with works to explore. Our goal is twofold. We aim to inform and inspire new writers on how to achieve their goals, as well as highlight works by new, undiscovered, or noteworthy authors we admire. Feel free to send us your recommendations, and we'll do our best to take a look. And don't forget to check out the writer-themed merchandise that supports the show at twobeanscafe.com, as well as checking out the links for the guests on this show. Join me next time with my interview with physician, scientist, entrepreneur, and writer, Kitan Desai, who tells us about writing an espionage thriller called Germs of War, along with his other works that span a wide range of fiction and nonfiction. Until then, onward and upward.